right, so as Nate says, we are working through the fundamental series. We're looking at the basic things that we do as Christians to maintain and to build our Christian faith. We've uh, worked through community. We've talked about being together as a community. We've talked about worship, about showing God how amazing we think He is in various different ways. And last week we talked about growth, and specifically we talked about how Scripture and the Bible is the key to understanding who God is and the way He wants us to live our lives. So this is our last week of the series, Sad, I Know, um, but we're going to be talking about prayer today. And we're talking about this fundamental aspect. And we wonder, why is prayer fundamental? Why is it so key to the Christian faith? And I would say it's very simple. Because like every relationship, communication is the lifeblood of the relationship, of that connection. And in fact, we can see how important it is through the person of Jesus himself. Now, Jesus, you've got to remember, is God. If anyone had a relationship locked down with God, did not need to really work on it, it was Jesus. He's good. He was perfect. He had everything, all of the boxes ticked. You know, he was doing everything the right way. And yet, constantly, his disciples would look around and he's gone. Because he has gone to find somewhere by himself to pray, to connect with his heavenly Father. Mark, before daybreak, the next morning Jesus got up and went into an isolated place to pray. And it it sort of establishes the priority for him of praying and connecting with his Father. All right, so... I thought this is good. Well, what we'll do then is we will just take the example of Jesus. And I want to look at what does he teach us? What does he tell us about prayer? And so I'm going to jump around for a few places of teachings that Jesus had. And there's a few very basic things that Jesus tells us about prayer. And then one incredibly not basic thing that he teaches us about prayer as well. So I'm going to kind of move very quickly through the first ones and then... We're just going to kind of run into a brick wall with the uh, second to last one, which I wrestle with in my own life. Okay, you ready? Intrigued? I hope so. All right. First one, what does Jesus teach us about prayer? He teaches us to pray privately. All right, listen to this. When Jesus, he's on the Sermon of the Mount, he's gathered everybody together, and he starts talking about prayer. And the first thing he says is, when you pray, which is an interesting, he doesn't say if, he says when, it's assumed, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all of the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Now, does this mean we're not allowed to pray in public? Because if so, I'm in trouble. In fact, we're all in trouble because we all kind of just did that. I don't think it's about that. I think this is about where your heart is. And you're going to see this theme cropping up a little bit today. Where is your heart? What is your heart doing when you are praying? Are you praying so that others will hear you and others will see you and think, wow, that guy is super spiritual? 
listen to that prayer. Oh my goodness. Because I'm guilty of that sometimes. I am guilty of that sometimes. And I say sometimes generously to myself. I often pray, even when I'm trying, sometimes this ego thing sneaks in and I want to pray impressively. Not so that God will be like, ooh, nice words there, but that you guys would kind of have that reaction. And I apologize for that. That is not the prayer life God wants us to have. That's why he's saying, you know what? If that's your deal, man, just go, go to yourself. Go pray by yourself. Because who are you talking to? Not the people around you, even though your prayers can encourage people around you. You're praying to God. It's all about what's going on in the heart. Yep. All right, I'm just going to keep plowing through this. Second thing he says is pray simply. This is following right on after that. Jesus says, when you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Have you ever been in a prayer like that? I've been in prayer meetings sometimes and, okay, maybe I've done this too. But you've been in a prayer meeting and someone just starts talking and they're praying and they're just praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. And sometimes this is from their heart because they just, they've got to get it all out. And that's amazing. That's beautiful. But then there's some people just like, you know, if I pray more than 15 minutes, I'm increasing my odds for a positive answer, right? And if I use really big Christian-y words, then that will get God's attention because his IQ is higher, right? So obviously you talk up to him, and that way you kind of, you know, you're setting yourself up for more success. Jesus is like, no, I already know what you need. You're not trying to impress me here. You're making a connection. And so he says, just forget, forget of that. Pray like this. He says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need, the things that we need, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sinned against you, against us, sorry. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. That's it. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a 15, 20 second prayer if you're doing it nice and slowly. That's what he says. That's how you pray. Pray simply. All right? Moving again, right along. Um, oh, you know what? No, this is part about this too. Because he's talking about repeating the same things over and over again. And we've talked about increasing the number of words and the number of intelligent words. But there's other ways that we kind of play into this a little bit too. And we've seen this, especially on Facebook, where someone puts out a thing and says, I need everybody to come around and pray for me. I need everybody because the more people that I get gathered in this little prayer circle, again, increases my odds, right? And I'm trying to buy as many lottery tickets as I can for this prayer because I want to cash in. So Jesus is saying, okay, again, that's not the attitude. Now, does that mean we shouldn't ask people to pray for us? Not at all. The question is, where is your heart? When you gather people together, are you trying to increase the volume of the prayer or are you trying to bring the hearts of God's people together around a certain issue? Do you see the difference? 
between those two things? You see how that subtly, it may be the same action, but it subtly changes the way that he approaches it and perhaps also the way that God will receive those prayers. It's from the heart. All right, moving on. Third thing he says is to pray unceasingly. Don't stop. There's this really fun story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 18. He told this parable. Uh, he told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. Always a good person to have as a judge. A widow of that city, and a widow, again, this is a person who is the most vulnerable in this society, came to that came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, you know, I don't fear God, I don't care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I am going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Nagging works. All right? Now, Again, this is Mother's Day. Mothers, you know you get nagged all the time and not just from your kids, right? You get nagged all of the time. You know the effectiveness of this sort of thing. And the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? So Jesus is saying it's not about nagging again, right? This is about the heart. It's not about the number of times you dial his number and leave a message on his phone. It's not about the quantity of it. It's about the heart. How much you want this. How much you desperately want this prayer answered that you're going to come to him and you're going to come to him and you're going to come to him and he will hear and honor that. Does that make sense? Right, well that's, the, so that's fairly basic, right? I mean, this is not rocket science type stuff. It makes sense. We read it and sometimes we need help doing it because we're not quite very good at that. But we understand the concepts of praying simply, praying often, and, and, and praying um, privately. Okay, we get that. The next one, not so easy. Jesus tells us to pray with faith. All right, this is where we start wading through muddy waters a little bit. Mark 11. Then Jesus said to his disciples, this is right after he had cursed the fig tree, um, because it didn't produce fruit and he was hungry. And so he says, right, that's it. You're never producing fruit again. I'm not going to stand here and tell Jesus why he did that. You know, it's a bad day or maybe he's making a point, probably making the point. And then the disciples see the withered tree and they're like, oh, did you see that? It worked. You cursed it and it worked. This is his response. Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Well, 
touch on that in a second. This is a difficult prayer, a difficult teaching of Jesus. And this is not the only place that he says stuff like this. Jesus brought this up many, many times. John 14, 13, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. So that the Son of Man, sorry, that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Even the Old Testament's getting in on this. Take delight in the Lord, it says in Psalms, and he will give you your heart's desires. All right. So, you want something, you pray to God, he gives it to you. This is what I'm wrestling with. This is the difficulty of the the war that is in my heart and in my mind because I have seen faith-filled people pray fervently for something and not get it. They've not got it. Maybe they've gotten something else. And then I hear stories of people who pray faithfully and get exactly what they asked for. You see the problem here? (laughs) Do you see the issue? And so what happens is is we kind of get a couple of different groups. There's different... I don't want to call them groups because it's not defined and these aren't boxes. But if you've been a part of church for a while, you may have noticed that there are different flavors of church. Have you noticed that? Some churches are different from others. And sometimes they form a little bit of a spectrum, okay? So you kind of, on one side, you've got, and again, these aren't boxes, but a spectrum. So no one fits neatly into any one particular thing. But you've got groups that are maybe a little bit more what we call Pentecostal, which means they're a little bit more lively in their prayer. They are very much about the Holy Spirit doing amazing, miraculous things. And there's like, pray and belief, and it will happen. Like, hold that promise, run with it. If you pray and you believe, you will get. Then kind of on this other side, you've got, like, liturgical may not be the right word, but it's kind of a little bit more, shall we say, calm group of people who are kind of a little bit more solemn, a little bit more reverent. And their sort of attitude to prayer kind of comes a little bit more along the lines of, I pray and God, you do what you're going to do. Yeah? And there's plenty of mud slung back and forth between these groups, especially the further to the extremes you get, with this idea of one group says, you know, you have no faith. There is no faith in your prayers because you don't really believe. And there's people over here saying, you have no respect for God because you're demanding things of him and expecting things. He's not a vending machine, right? And so you have this arguments back and forth. And the Bible, you can look at and see both, but there is just this tension that sits between these two. Now, our church, you may have noticed, probably not so much towards the Pentecostal side. We're not expressive of miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit as much. You won't see tongues or prophecies in our services, that sort of thing. And, And if you have questions about that, you're welcome to talk to me afterwards. We're not really liturgical either. We kind of, you know, we're not in the robes with the, you know, the sort of going through the Catholic sort of thing either. But when it comes to prayers, you would have noticed the way that we went about the prayer for India, a little bit more towards this side, would you say? A little bit more towards this side of a little bit more sort of reverent calm. Does that mean our prayers are faithless? Does that mean we don't have powerful prayers? You know what? Sometimes, yes. 
Sometimes, yeah. We tend towards not being faithful enough in our prayers. That is something I personally need to work on. Tell me if you've been in a prayer like this, where you start off and you sort of, Lord, we want to pray for Billy Bob. Billy Bob's got cancer, and, and we really want to pray for him. And, and we know you can do wonderful things, but you don't always do those sorts of things. And Lord, we know that you, you know, your will is more sovereign than, than ours, and so you'll do what you kind of want to do. And, and you kind of move on, and by the time you get to amen, you've really talked yourself out of the prayer. And you're like, so thanks for listening, God. We know you're not going to do anything. We're just going to go on and we'll move on with our lives. Right? Have you been part of prayers like that? Have you prayed prayers like that? I've prayed prayers like that. And we're so afraid that if we say, Lord, we believe you to do this, that we're kind of running over here and we're not respecting God and God may not do it and he may not. And so we don't even really ask. And we're, we're just very timid and we don't get into it. So yes, I believe if you are anything like me, the further down this road you go, you have a healthy respect for God's sovereignty and his choice-making abilities, but you don't necessarily have a healthy respect for his power and how much he wants to do things for us and how much he says, have faith, believe. So where does that leave us? I don't really know. (laughs) But here's one thing that I've kind of discovered, and I'm not not the the beacon of all answers here, because I've wrestled with this very recently, actually. Um, And I've wrestled around some of these issues of what do we expect when we pray? And here's something that I've discovered. The more we go down the road of asking, how do I make my prayer succeed? What do I say? How do I go about it? How do I get success? The more we do that, the more our prayer becomes a formula, a thing that we're trying to do to get a result. Does that make sense? But it's not a formula. He's a person. I wonder if we shifted our attention a little bit from what we are praying for, just a little bit, to who we are praying to. We are praying to our Father. Imagine if we prayed like our kids ask us for things, where they nag us, and they believe that they will get it. They ask us because they know we love them. They know we want what's best for them. And they just come to us and they say, Dad, I want this so bad. And you go, you can do this for me. And they believe it in their hearts. They want it. They're vulnerable and open to us with that. How often do we want to do that for them when they're really open and honest? And we respond to that connection that we have with them. Sometimes what they want is not what they need. So we say no. No. But it's a yes, isn't it? It's always a yes to them. It's a yes to you. You are my child and I want for you. All of my prayers are yes for you, even when it's a no, because I have to say no to the thing in order to say yes to you, the person. Does that make sense? Now look, I still don't 
have a complete understanding of the power of prayer. I know there is power in prayer. I know God does move and he acts. And I know sometimes he waits for us to ask before he moves and he acts. But we cannot demand anything from God. So I suggest that we pray to him as our father, pray with faith and pray with this yearning that comes that you can do this and I believe in you for this and I trust in you for your answer, good or bad, in my perspective. Does that make sense? I want to kind of... Oh, sorry, I want to mention, like, this was in context. I, I played the Star Wars clip for a reason, um, not just because of May the 4th. That was just very nice. But there was this idea that Yoda says, you know, because Luke says, I don't believe it. He says, that is why you fail. And we kind of take that sometimes, and there is a truth to that. But again, we're not talking about the force, are we? We're talking about a God a decision maker, an independent decision making person. Far smarter, far bigger. And so we trust in that. Does that make sense? Okay, good. We need to continue having conversations around this because this is far from this like, oh, yep, we got that done, tick that box, I know exactly how to do this. But I'll tell you what, if you don't, you're in good company. Look at this verse in Romans chapter 8. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Why? For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. <laughs> Does that make sense in context of this? We don't know. We don't know because God is so much bigger than us. We try, but we fail. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for believers in harmony with God's own will. Right? So you see that connection. It's in, in harmony with what God wants. And he bridges that gap. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called, called according to his purpose for them. Last one. This one we don't really think about very much. But it's there. We pray with forgiveness. That seems like a really odd sort of connection to make. But Jesus makes it multiple times. You saw back in Mark 11, 25. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Right after our passage in Matthew, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. There is this correlation, even in the Lord's Prayer that we read before. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And so this, all, this, this idea that our prayers are sometimes blocked by our lack of forgiveness for those around us. Now again, that's not a formula. It's not like some magic kryptonite. Like God's like, I would love to help. I really, really would but I can't get through the lack of forgiveness here. It's hands are tied. That's not the way God says it, but 
If we're looking at him as a person, a person who gave up his son in order to forgive us of everything that we've done wrong, you remember the, the um, parable Jesus told about the guy who went to the king, he had this millions and millions of dollars of debt, and the king's like, you know what, you're fine, you, you, I'll forgive you for that. And then he went out, and he had this other servant arrested because he owed him five bucks because of the pie that he bought the other day at the dairy. And he's like, until you pay me back or buy me another pie, you're in prison. And the king brings him back in. He says, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? I forgave millions of dollars of debt and you can't forgive this guy a fiver. And he says, no, you are now paying your debt. Because as a person, God is deeply insulted that we would ask of him, that we would call on him when we have not done the most basic response that we can have to his forgiveness, and that's to forgive my brother and my sister. It's not a block to prayer. It's a, you want what now? And fair enough. So when we pray, we pray with forgiveness. All right, so what's the key takeaway here? Prayer, not a formula. It's not a mathematical equation. It's a conversation with a real being, a being with a real mind, a real heart, decision-making. Sometimes we talk to God casually like a close friend. Sometimes we pray in reverent awe of his kingliness. Sometimes we pray inspired by the power that he has. Sometimes we pray as weak, broken children. Sometimes we declare the promises of God as our own. And sometimes we're just begging for help. Sometimes we pray in snapshots. Sometimes we pray in length. Sometimes we pray alone, sometimes in big groups. Sometimes we pray in words, sometimes in art, sometimes in complete silence, letting the Spirit bridge the gap between our speechless souls and His throne. But every time we pray, we pray to a person. We don't pray to the force, but we pray to a God with a mind, a desire in his heart, and a plan to make it happen. We pray to our Father. Our Father. You're in heaven, and your name, may everyone understand how amazing you are. May your kingdom come. May your will, may your desires be done right here. Give us what we need. Dad, give us what we need. And forgive us. As we're going out, we're trying to forgive those who have messed up against us. And Dad, don't let us yield to temptation. Don't let us fall into these traps. But rescue us from that evil one. And depending on your version, because yours is the power. Yours is the glory, Dad. Yours is the kingdom forever. That's the prayer that we pray. I want to do something I have not cleared with anybody yet. I want to pray in a way that I would not normally pray, something that's slightly outside my comfort zone. Um... And I want to pray, and I want to try praying with belief. 
not demanding and not expecting a miraculous moment right here and now. Okay? I want to be clear about that. But I also don't want to second-guess everything that I want to pray. So Catherine Tangaloa has been through many health issues lately. Would it be all right if you came up and I prayed for you? That'd be all right. I'm kind of making it not really a choice for you. So come on up. I want to pray. I want to pray in the belief that God can heal you and just take care of everything. And I don't want to second guess that. Does that make sense? But I also don't want to demand like, hey, if you're going to be healed right now, sort of thing, because that's a demand, that's a formula. Does that make sense? So let me pray. God, Father who is in heaven, may your name be kept holy. You have so much power, and we just so, we are so insulting to you sometimes when we don't recognize, truly recognize the power that you have. And how much you want to invest that power into our lives. So Lord Catherine has been through a, a myriad of things and she's doing all of the right things, going to doctors and getting tests and all of that sort of stuff. And you know what's going on and you will do this the way you want to do this. But Lord, I pray and I believe that you can heal her. I believe that this can happen. And so Lord, I pray for it. I beg, give this woman clear health. You know the life that she lives for you. You know what she can do in the community. You know what she does for her family. You know how she makes your name great everywhere she goes. Lord, heal her. We trust you to do this thing for us. And we trust in your wisdom. It's in your name we pray. Amen.